Welcome to episode 16 of the Monsieur So British podcast, written and read by me, Ian Moore, stand-up comedian, author, and so on and so forth. Firstly, thanks for choosing to listen. I'm well aware of just how much output there is to choose from at the moment. Many of my comedian colleagues are banging stuff out there at quite alarming rate. Please check my timelines on Facebook and Twitter for the stuff that I'm sharing that they're doing, and that is out there for free. Uh, for free, I tell you, how we'll ever get paid again once this is over, heaven only knows. Anyway, this podcast, as regular listeners will know, rarely has the same theme. It could probably be filed under middle-aged whining, which would probably just about cover it all. But this episode is about the first two weeks of lockdown here in France, which is heavily policed and draconian, unlike the UK government response, which went from, yeah, whatever, to keep the hell away from me at a frightening pace, uh, but not quickly enough. So, Monsieur So British podcast, episode 16, House Arrest. Well, that escalated quickly. On Monday morning, I was still umming and ahhing over whether I should travel to London later in the week. I was booked to MC the Comedy Store in London from Thursday onwards, and then by Tuesday lunchtime, we were all under house arrest, and anybody caught breaking the curfew without good reason was subject to a €130 Euro fine. Things don't normally happen that quickly in France, certainly not in rural France, and certainly not around here. It meant, of course, that the decision of whether I should travel or not was taken from me. I wouldn't be travelling, it was essentially forbidden. It's called leadership, where, when in a time of crisis, the government makes the tough calls, taking a thorny judgement call out of your prevaricating hands, leaving you only with the comfort of good old moan instead. Winston Churchill-obsessed Boris Johnson could learn a thing or two about crisis management from Macron and the others, But he's trained to think up columnist jokes about situations like these, not top-down confidence-inspiring decrees, and his delay in shutting pubs, cinemas and gyms and so on was taken too late. It just wasn't taken seriously enough, which is probably why he's now got the virus. There's also, of course, the fact that France, thanks to its strong history of industrial unrest and endless downing of tools, can cope with the lockdown better than most others. In fact, at the moment, it all feels less debilitating than the pre-Christmas transport strikes. I think we'd seen which way it was going to go anyway. Natalie is a teacher at the local college, Terence is at the local premier, and Morris is a boarder at a school over an hour away, and all have been told that that was it for now. Morris, in fact, has been told not to come back until after the Easter holidays, which is six weeks, and being a teenager, he'd declared his boredom early, on the drive back from the school, to be precise, which is pushing it somewhat. This is not a holiday is the constant refrain around the house at the moment as we try and instil some home learning discipline into proceedings. This is not a holiday, I shouted up from the sofa while watching a surreal tournament from Gibraltar. The problem I have here is that I lack authority. I mean, I have authority, I'm even quite strict at times, but in the do-as-I-do scheme of things I'm lacking. A self-employed comedian author lolling about on the settee soaking up the dregs of the last live sporting event for the foreseeable future is not the ideal role model for a regimented work ethic. In days gone by, a father might return home, covered in coal dust, bent double by the rigours of mining, and extol the virtues of industry and slog, hoping that the offspring would learn the value of toil. My children see me sit down wearily for lunch, moan about how that thousand words didn't come easy, but that I'd remembered to put a bottle of Sauvignon into chill for dinner. Natalie is better at these things than I am. 
She's organised the boys properly so that work will be done, even as she conducts lessons for her own pupils via email and the school's intranet system. I've largely been left to my own devices, coming up with long lists of things that I should be doing, and being egged on by people elsewhere in lockdown who feel that I should have another book knocked out by the end of the week to alleviate their boredom. Even my dad, under lockdown in Spain, texted me to say that this would be a good time to write a sequel to my so-far-only novel. We're at war, people. Those were Macron's words. A period of transition is called for, surely. I'm still getting used to the whole thing. We should have known something was going to go wrong a couple of weeks ago when firewood stocks started to get dangerously low and dry kindling virtually non-existent. We'd begun lighting fires with leftover baguette, rampant decadence, obviously, and unsustainable in a time of national crisis. We'd managed to get more wood delivered just before the curtain on movement descended, which it did slowly at first. Even last Saturday, this is two weeks ago, there were reports of panic buying and stockpiling around France, but there was no evidence of it here. The shelves were full, toilet roll in abundance. Then I went to do my weekly shop on the Monday morning and the place was heaving. It wasn't panic buying exactly. This was no supermarket piranha frenzy. This was calm and calculated. There was a kind of low buzz in the air, a bit like the morning of a test match. There was expectancy, excitement even. I hadn't come to stockpile, I promise, but you do kind of get caught up in these things. You wander the aisles and see that the essentials, store cupboard groceries, eggs, pasta, decent wine and so on, are disappearing at an alarming rate. And you do the mental arithmetic of how many customers there are and realise that if you go away to compile your stockpiling shopping list, as any rational human being would, there'll be nothing left by mid-afternoon when you return. You get sucked in by it a fear of missing out, a fear of not providing for your family, and then five minutes later you have four bags of rigatoni in your trolley and tins of stuff you wouldn't normally eat, but you remember those post-nuclear holocaust cartoons you saw as a kid and how cheap luncheon meat saves lives. In truth, we did actually need food, and I shopped just for the week, quite proud of my restraint. Who knows, if things get really bad, the authorities may do house checks on suspected stockpilers. These are strange times, and I'm not ruling that out. And if they were to sweep down on us, they would find only a surfeit of Cadbury's cream eggs anyway, which Natalie had insisted I buy when I was last in the UK, so that she could share them all with her pupils as she does a lesson on an English Easter. I'd suggested that if you want to recreate an English Easter, then a crate of carling, a kebab and a pub garden ashtray full of rainwater would be a more accurate reflection. But she's the teacher, she knows best. What it does mean, of course, is that I would have to go shopping again at the weekend, and for that I'll need the authorities' permission. Each time we leave the house now, we have to have ID and a certificate d'attestation de déplacement dérogatoire. That's an appalling example of my French, but I tried my best. And this is like an A4 piece of printed paper with our reasons for breaking the curfew and our name and address on it. It also has to be signed. It has to be signed by the person holding the document. You, in other words. You have to sign your own attestation. Which I just don't get. I mean, what if I have to leave the house to buy ink for the printer to print off my attestation in the first place? What if I can't print off my attestation because of that? I might starve to death or die of a cream egg overdose. The French reacted swiftly and diligently to this baffling, scary pandemic. But to create yet more pointless paperwork to back it all up is without doubt the Frenchest thing yet, and bless them for that.
into the lockdown and you realise that some grow into the role they must play while for others it comes naturally and where social distancing is concerned I am, not to put too fine a point on it, not only gifted but experienced. It's stricter here in France than in the UK but as far as I could see in the early days of social distancing and confinement London and surrounding areas social distancing measures would make me marginally more sociable than I usually am. I've seen the crowds gathering for the UK population laughably considers to be social distancing and can think of a number of comedy clubs, theatres, championship football clubs even, who'd kill for such numbers. Maybe British people would take lockdown more seriously if it was called lock-in instead. Anyway, I'm not part of that. Both the UK government and the French government have sent out texts to the population to clarify confinement rules. And as I have a dual-SIM phone with both UK and French SIM cards, You'd have thought I'd get at least one of the messages. But no. No, I haven't. I've gone under the radar. And while everyone else is planning coronavirus strategies, I'm out of the loop, which makes it horribly reminiscent of my university social life all over again. It's difficult to describe how it feels at the moment. I suspect we're all in the same boat, that we go through a range of emotions almost on an hourly basis. I know I do. One minute I'm strong, we can get through this dad, the next I'm a quivering wreck of where will the money come from, and the feeling that there's immense responsibility to look after others. Men are programmed from an early age to be head of the household leaders, stoic and so on, and anyone who isn't should man up. Well, I have my moments, but without Natalie as a constant, or to lean on and be there when she needs to lean on me, it would be an impossible task, and essentially quite pointless anyway. My first, biggest fear was that with everyone home, the family would have a ringside seat as to what my days at home are actually like. Being a writer, it's far from inspiring confidence that the man of the household could go off and pin down a woolly mammoth at the drop of the hat. I sprawl listlessly on the sofa, as usual, catching snippets of a Margaret Brother film, nip off to write a few words occasionally and try, not always successfully, to avoid hitting the booze before lunch. For Natalie's part, she's still teaching her college students remotely via the school's internet system and is doing longer hours than she would be if she were in the actual classroom. Morris, as always, is on top of his schoolwork and happy to be living at home for once, whereas Terence spends 60% of his time railing against the injustice of education and the remaining 40% perfecting his reverse in-swinging Yorker. Samuel has remained in the UK. It was his choice. And that is an extra remote concern. It's all very odd. We're incredibly fortunate to be where we are and have what we have, and we keep telling ourselves that. But there's a brittle tension in the air at all times because things are essentially out of your control. It's not only us humans feeling that tension either. Despite the sunny weather, all the cats feel the need to be indoors all day and the horse all team gets through a bucket of water a day like an aged diva who's decided that liquid oblivion is the only way forward. The goats are standoffish as usual, the hens are down to one egg a day between them as if conserving their strength for the long haul and the dogs are just going stir-crazy. Dogs are very sensitive to the human condition anyway so they react in a similar way. They're jumpy, snappy and just like me, permanently on the edge of barking. 
and all dogs must be reacting the same way. I had to go shopping for vitals in the supermarket, and while I'm happy to report that most shelves were in reasonable condition, the dog food aisle was empty. It seems that if this situation goes on for many months, as some have predicted, it'll be the dogs that come out of it best, possibly even become our new overlords in the process, though I suspect that their way of meet and greet will be subject to social distancing rules for some considerable time to come. Again, though, it felt strange to even be going out. The French government have now issued a new attestation de déplacement dérogatoire. Remember, that's the document we must all carry if we leave our house. This one has the time you left because you aren't supposed to be away from home now for more than an hour. Not in all circumstances, but some. Well, I was gone for an hour and five minutes and I rarely felt more alive. I felt like I was in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and that I'd dodged a Berlin Wall Patrol and returned with a secret microfilm. Or in this case, frozen chips, tins of ravioli and some baker foil. None of us know where this will all end and I repeat, I do find it a very scary situation and sometimes it's like I'm in some kind of mental vice that's squeezing the last drop of strength out of me. So I'm going to concentrate on the little victories. Keep the enormous dark cloud of global reality at a well-informed arm's length. That's the way forward for me. And Natalie and I have decided to go on holiday too. I mean, it's not really a holiday, obviously, but as all the bookings for our B&B have been cancelled and the authorities have, quite rightly, forced us to close, we've decamped the 30 metres or so to the other side of the pond and to our luxury holiday home. The kids tried it for one night, didn't like it, and moved out, which suits us just fine. But are we worried that the boys are now effectively home alone? No, we left the dogs in charge. Again, thanks very much for listening. I hope you're all well. Do stay safe and well and stay strong. And I'll speak to you again sometime. I don't know when that'll be. It's all a bit Groundhog Day around here at the moment. So unless there's actually something interesting to say, I'll probably won't leave you in peace. There's plenty of other stuff out there, like I said. But I'll see you again. Thank you. Thank you.